for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? Today is April 12, 2022, and today's guest is Miles Dykeman. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 210. And today's guest, like I said, is Miles Dykeman. Miles, he hails from Wisconsin, and he comes from the bluff country of Wisconsin. So we're talking about big hills, big timber, and uh, we get into it, man. We talk about a few different things. Um, we talk about filming hunts, filming hunts with your phone. We dive into that because he's been doing that the last couple of years, and it's something that's pretty interesting to me, using your iPhone to film hunts. And uh, he's actually got hunts on YouTube that uh, he's filmed with his with his phone, so it's pretty cool. We also talk about hunting the hill country. Um, I mean, if you go back and look at any record books or anything like that with the most, you know, Pope and Young registered deer, um, they come from like Buffalo County, Wisconsin and in that bluff country. I've actually been able to to go over there and film, you know, some hunts over there back in like 2013 and it was it was different. I mean, it's big, 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 big timber, big hills. It's it's crazy, but uh a lot of big deer get pulled out of there every year. So that's uh that's today's podcast in a nutshell basically, but I'm going to hit you guys with uh some partners real quick. I just want to shout them out because they're great partners, and I greatly appreciate them supporting me, and uh, the least I can do is support them. So Helix Broadheads, uh, go out and check Helix Broadheads. Go to helixbroadheads.com, um, look at what they got, check out, check them out. I use the 125 grain. Um, 
go get a pack. Turkey season is, I mean, for a lot of states, it's here right now, but for Michigan, it's starting um, the 23rd, so here next week. So get out there and uh, get some Helix Broadheads. Next is Novix Tree Stands. If you guys are looking for a great mobile tree stand that's comfortable, go check out Novix Tree Stands at novixoutdoors.com. And last, certainly, but not last, but certainly not least, is Vector Arrows. Go to VectorCustomShop.com, order your arrows, and use the code FALL10 to save some money at checkout. That'd be greatly appreciated. Short and sweet, but I want to get through them. I appreciate all these partners, like I just said. They're great, uh, and I love all the support. And mentioning the support, thank you to everybody out there that's downloading and rating and reviewing Please, if you haven't, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review, and also go to Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, or even if you don't, just go there, search me out, follow me, and leave a five-star rating. That would be greatly appreciated. So with that being said, let's get over to this interview with Miles, and uh, yeah, here's this interview. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. We have a guest on the line here. From, if I'm not mistaken, the Cheese State, right? You're from Wisconsin? Yes, sir. Good yep. deal. Miles Dykeman, dude, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a long time <laughs> coming for this. I feel yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> I've canceled on you. You've canceled on me. We've like tried to make things work, and it's like, uh, I blame it on myself, man. <laughs> No, no. I think, uh, you know, two fathers, you know, married with kids, it's it's hard to link up and it's hard to weigh each other's schedule sometimes. So that's all right. Yeah, for sure. So everybody listening, you might hear Miles cut out a little bit a couple, a couple times. It's I don't know if it's his service or mine, but bear with us. We might uh, have a little bit of cut out, but we'll be all good. We'll get through this because I'm super excited to talk to you, man. Um, you and I have been going back and forth on social, text, whatever, I don't know, for a while now. Um, yeah. Just yep. just bullshitting here. And you know, honestly, first and foremost, like I've said it before, that's why I love this podcast. I've met so many cool guys and gals over the last four years. You know, never met a lot of them face to face, but I feel like, like you and I talking right now, I feel like I've known you forever, you know, and it's yeah, just, yeah. it's one of those things, Absolutely. man, like hunting and podcasts. I, I love that. That's, it brings it out in all of us, I think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. Yep. Well, cool. So yep. you're, you're a cheese head, so I can call you cheese head. You're probably a Packer fan too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick a team, I'd have to go with the Packers <laughs> for sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And probably the Badgers. Are you a Badgers fan? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, yep, sure. I got it. I got it. I'm a Wolverine, yep. so we okay. might have some bad blood there. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> battle it out at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Open yeah. hand smacks or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing going around right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. good deal, man. Um, so Miles Dykeman, you're, you're like you said, you're from Wisconsin. Kind of give us everybody like who might not know you, the the elevator pitch, like who you are, how old you are, what you do for a living, all that stuff. Sure. So my name's Miles Dykeman. I'm from South Central Wisconsin, just south of Madison. Um, I was born and raised here. Uh, graduated high school in 2003. So I'm uh, 37, going on 38. And uh, after high school, I moved up to Stevens Point and went to the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point up there. I got a degree in graphic design and then uh, moved back home, got married to my lovely wife, Lindsay. We have three beautiful children, um, Brecken, who's 12, my son, Marlo, who's nine, 
and five-year-old daughter, Camilla. Um, I work in the asphalt industry, actually, uh, for a company down here in, in southwest, uh, I'm sorry, south central Wisconsin. I'm a asphalt technician. Um, so what I do is I test the asphalt for the state of Wisconsin and the state of Illinois, and I run it through a different uh, gamut of tests, making sure that each mix uh, meets the state qualifications and the state requirements for that mix. So okay. um, before I got into asphalt, I had no idea that it was so robust and there was so much to do with it. It's, it's actually pretty crazy. So, I didn't either actually until um, you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on the load on the road, like if there's a lot of traffic on the road, you're going to up the, you'll up the mix strength basically. So you have like a light traffic, a medium traffic and heavy traffic. Um, so I got gotcha. based on how much traffic that road sees it, that, that determines what mix it gets. And I get my hands on it and test it. So, nice. How long you been doing that for? Uh, I've been in that for the last three years now, three and a half years about. Okay. You really liking it or is it just kind of like, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I work with a, a great group of guys. Uh, the company is, is the company is wonderful. Um, yeah, I really do like it. Um, it gets me outside in the summertime when we're paving and it is season. Uh, so I, I kind of have a split, you know, I can be in inside, um, behind the desk, behind the computer, doing some things there and testing in the lab. And then I can also go out and work with the crew that's, you know, that is actually doing the paving and, okay. and seeing how it all comes together. So it's a good balance. I do like it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now I'm not really built to sit inside a whole lot, you know, like yep, I think yep. a lot of us that hunt, you know, we like being outdoors. Right. So yeah, I, uh, it, it's a good gig. Yeah. Especially right now, dude, I want to get the hell outside and shoot some turkeys in the face. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, what have you done anything with your graphic design degree then? Like, are you still like, do you do something on the side or anything with it? Yeah, I try to do some freelance stuff here and there, you know, with, uh, with buddies and friends of mine, or somebody may reach out to me on, uh, on social media and ask me for some help, whether it's a logo or, you know, t-shirt design or branding, things like that. Um, I did work at, uh, in, in Madison for a number of years, for eight years at a major insurance company up there where I worked in the digital marketing department. Um, and I, that's where I started really with it. Um, and overlooking websites and Facebook pages for the insurance agents that we had. Uh, so I did do some stuff with it for a while there and then the, the, the company had some company wide downsizing and I was part of that. So when I left, uh, I jumped into the asphalt industry. It was kind of something to you know i needed something to pay the bills really sure so i had to jump at what i could get and i've been there ever since cool, but man. uh yeah i i try to keep the uh the creative chops you know sharpened i guess you know yeah i feel uh, like you have as, to with all this stuff as, like i'm sorry go ahead oh, i was just saying as much as i can you know as much as time allows too with a family and work and everything so it's it's really it's on the side you know yeah definitely and i feel like to be somewhat like relevant maybe you have to be in tune with like the trends and what's going on like if somebody was to come to you and be like hey miles i need a t-shirt design i'm thinking i want this like a mix of this t-shirt and this logo like let's group them together and you got to know like i feel like you just got to stay in tune with that like how do you how do you balance that like is it just social media based youtube based like what do you consume to 
to to keep that you know flow going yeah so to stay on the trends you know i think that's what you're getting at there and and what's you know in in for the current time yeah i mean social media is obviously huge that's one of the biggest ones um and seeing the ideas of other artists and things like that it, it helps spark ideas on your own um i also find myself though going back to some of the older i don't know if you want to call them retro designs though you know um, oh yeah to kind of maybe weed in some of those elements uh to kind of help yourself stand out a little bit um yeah reading i have several design books that i i i subscribe to that i try to try to keep up on as much as i can i haven't really read too much in the in the recent past here but i would have to say a lot of it's online yeah social media and seeing what other people are doing and and then going back to my my room and seeing if i can replicate it or how they did this and try to break it down myself so that's cool man now how do you um no i i guess let's do a pivot into to hunting we want to talk hunting you've yeah. I've, I've, you've caught my eye on social media. I don't know when it's been a while ago. And I mean, you've been killing some really good bucks and, um, you know, your design work is, is awesome as well. So I guess let's start it off with, you know, how did you come up as a hunter? Was it private land, public land, a mixture of it? You know, who are your mentors? I know it's a lot in one, one question there, but like, how did that all start? Well, um, yeah, so my my startup or my my come up in in hunting if you will i guess it's not very different from a lot of people my i started tagging along with my dad at the age of six or seven i believe it was um my parents had bought a camper over in western wisconsin southwestern wisconsin and uh i was six i believe when they bought it and it was at a campground there obviously and we had permission to hunt the campground there so we started gun hunting it um i would tag along with my dad for the first several years and then when i was old enough to hunt on my own which was 12 after hunter safety um i shot my first doe right up behind our camper on the hillside behind the camper there um and so this is private ground it's like 67 acres i believe it is um and back then though during uh the earlier years we had access to three of the other adjacent properties. So I believe if I looked at it, I think it's roughly 300 acres we had uh, access to there. Okay. But we had so many guys in there for rifle season. I mean, and everybody was bringing up their brother and their sister and it was just, it got to be too much. And eventually the landowner put a stop to it. He said, you know, no more, no more rifle hunting. Um, however, you and your dad can, can continue to bow hunt it if you'd like. And if you want to rifle hunt it, I just ask that you come in after opening weekend. So we took him up on that and we've been bow hunting it uh, pretty hard ever since. Um, here in the last the last few years, I lost my dad uh, three years ago. So I've been in there now by myself for the last three. Um, but I cut my teeth in that, in that 67 acres in there. And um, so it's, there's, there's several big chunks of public right around there that we would rifle hunt here and there when we would have, you know, like my cousins come up and stay with us. Um, so we would, we would hit the public a little bit, but I would say if you had to give it a percentage, it's, it's, you know, it's 90% private and 10% public that okay. I hunt. Um, so yeah, started at six or seven with him tagging along with him, uh, shot a shot my first deer at 12 
up there. And then he got me into bow hunting and he told me, you know, I really think you, you should give it a shot. My dad, uh, I really think you should give it a shot. You see a lot more deer, it seems, and you know, it's nicer weather. And so I said, all right. So I picked up, he, he got me a bow. It was a, uh, PSE Fitzgerald. I think it was actually a woman's bow. Uh, it was a single cam bow with a wheel on the bottom, I believe. And, uh, I shot the lights out with that bow. And I mean, everybody knows when you're young, you have all the time in the world. I was in the backyard shooting arrows all day, every day, you know, so practice wasn't a problem. I got really tuned in with it. I had a blast with it. And, uh, so I got that at 13, I believe it was. And then 14 rolled around and I felt like I was comfortable enough to go out and try. And, uh, a friend of his, uh, in Richland County, invited us over to his farm to uh for a hunt so we went over it was the first time i had ever bow hunted the first year i had ever bow hunted first time i had ever gotten into a tree stand by myself with (laughs) with him and it was the first day and i climb in and it's it's afternoon i don't know two o'clock or something and we're doing an evening hunt I climb into the stand. Dad walks up behind me. He's like, I, I'm going to go hop in the, in my stand up here. It was about 80 yards from me. And, uh, he, he just, he wanted to be close enough, you know, within earshot in oh, case yeah. I, you know, something happened, I fall yep. out or whatever. So he's, he's up the hill and, uh, evening starts coming in, you know, it starts getting darker and I see a deer coming and I can tell it's a buck and I am shaking. I've never at this point, I'm, I'm 14. I had never even seen a buck in the wild yet. So it's the first buck for me. And it's an eight pointer. It's a little uh, two year old and he's coming in and he gets to this honeysuckle bush and he starts eating on that. I grab my bow and I draw, he gets done eating. He steps out from behind that honeysuckle and I let it go and it hit him. I saw the arrow hit him and it hit him great. And he didn't move. He just stood there like, you know, like a dog, when you surprise a dog or you want to play, yeah. kind of like they pounce the ground, but they, they stop still. Yep. He did that and he didn't, he didn't move. And then he just tipped over like 10 seconds later. And I, from the, you know, from all the videos I had seen up until that point, they always run off. So I'm like, I don't know if I hit him, but why is he laying down? <laughs> <laughs> Dad radios me. He's like, did you shoot? I said, yeah. And he's like, I thought I heard you shoot. He's like, I thought you fell out of the tree. He said it was so loud. The shot was so loud, I guess. He thought I fell out of the tree. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, that, that, was, uh, that was the first buck that I had ever shot. Um, I was pretty stoked. You know, I was, I was really happy. So was he. Um, I was kind of, I didn't really have anything at that point in my, in my hunting career, I guess, to gauge it on. Yeah. But it, it did. It was, and you're it, 14, it right? Like, yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, I, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. When I first, ki- when I killed my first, uh, my first deer, it was a doe. I was 12 years mm-hmm. old with my bow. And I, I remember walking up on it with my dad and not wanting to touch it because yes. I didn't, I w- it was, it was like an out of body experience. Like, what is this? You know, but, Absolutely. I walked up on deer with my dad, like the deer that he's killed before, but this was something I did. So yeah. I, I, I <clears throat> like vividly remember that, like to, to this day of like, man, I didn't, I, I don't want to touch it, you know? Yeah. And, and then it was, so that was in October 
when I was 12. Uh, and then like later that year I shot my first, um, buck with a bow and I watched it fall out in the field. I was on a field edge. I watched it fall. I like physically when my dad and my uncle Bill and I tracked it, I physically was like running up to the deer and couldn't wait to touch it and get uh, like, <laughs> you know, you needed that, like, like over the hump kind of like, it's okay. You know, it, it's fine. And then after that, it was yep. like, you know, it, yeah. I, I totally get it though. It's like almost like an out of body experience. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, it makes me think about the deer. I remember the first deer I ever saw my dad harvest and I remember the anxiety that came over me. It was getting dark. We were way away from the camper. You know, we were up at the very top of the hill, like, I don't know, half a mile away from the camper and it was getting dark and he shoots and this, this buck is making a scrape on the tree line. We're walking across the cut bean field and he's like, there's one right there. We both get down in this bean field and he's got his odd six and he puts, he, he aims and he shoots. He rushed the shot. I remember, I remember how quick it happened. And, uh, even after that, after the fact, he was like, man, I really should have taken my time more. Anyways, he shoots this deer and, or shoots at it, I should say. And I remember getting up and we go down to look for blood. And I remember my heart just pounding, thinking like, I'm going to walk up on this huge animal. There's going to be blood everywhere. And then it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to open it up and pull all its guts out. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to do this. You know, like (laughs) I didn't want to do it. And then long story short, he missed the buck. I never had to go through that trauma. (laughs) (laughs) You did one of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go back to the camper, dad. That's funny. You'll you'll get him next time. Whatever. (laughs) I'll never, um, I'll never forget. Like, uh, I remember my dad took me rifle hunting this was like i was like six or seven or eight years old or whatever so we leave the truck and it's pitch black dark i'm scared of the dark like at this point in my life like i'm you know i'm like a little kid like Uh deathly afraid of the dark we get i mean i don't know we probably get 300 yards from the truck and my dad's like i forgot something i gotta go back and he's like you just sit here I'll be right back. Oh. And I go in my head, I go, the fuck I will, <laughs> like, <sit laughs> yeah. here. you know, like no way. Like, you know, like a big monster is going to eat me. Like I remember him walking away and it seemed like it was four hours. He was gone, you know? Yeah. And yep. I know now being a dad, like, it's just easier for you to be like, you just stay here. I'll run to the truck real quick. I'll be right back. You know, it's just yep. like, instead of lugging your six-year-old with you back, dude, exactly. I remember mother scratching him in my head, you know, as just so scared of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. yep. And now that you're older, it's even hard. It's hard to wrap your, your brain around how one can get. Yes. You know, yes. like. I'm right there with you. I'm like, honey, I'm just running to the, I'm running out to the street quick. I'll be right back. Yep. And she's got to come with me. I'm like, okay. You know? Yeah. There's some, I'm not going to lie to you. Dude. I'm 34. There's some dark timber that I hunt that like, it'll make the hair stand on your back. Like, oh yeah. You know? And yep. it's like, you know, yeah. you, you second guess getting up in the morning. Cause it's like, man, I got to go down there. You know, yeah. the, the neighbor saw yep. a bear in his timber, you know, a couple weeks ago. Do I really want to yep. go do this? absolutely yeah that that reminds me this was this was probably oh man i don't know 10 years ago i was sitting at the south end of the man 
we didn't have a whole lot of experience at that end. And I got into a spot that I, I hadn't been to before. I hung the stand and as the starting to break, I noticed that there's a wall, a big gorge behind me and I'm, you know, kind of daydreaming at this point, you know, there's no, no deer are around, you know, it's real quiet and I'm just kind of sitting there and daydreaming and I'm looking at this waterfall and it was like a movie. Couldn't believe it. Out steps <clears throat> what I thought was a big coyote from behind the waterfall and he stands on this rock and like just perched perfect. Like he's overlooking his, his domain, you mm-hmm. know, like he owns it in here and he's just like, he's the king. And I'm like, that is the biggest coyote I have ever seen in my life. Holy shit. <laughs> and he was super, super like silvery white. Like it was not white, but like just really gray and like consistent. He didn't have like the oranges and the reds that some of those yotes get. Yep. And I got down and I went back and I, I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm like, I just saw the biggest coyote. I didn't see a deer tonight, but I saw the biggest coyote in the world. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And he was like, well, I just talked to Terry and he said, he's got a young male wolf that's running up on the field. Up top. And I'm like, Oof. Oh, that's great. dude!" <laughs> like I'm climbing down in the middle of the, you know, I'm climbing down well after dark. I sit until I can't see anything. Yep. yep. And I'll sit even longer if there's deer around me, you know, like just so I don't bump them. But, um, yeah. So now I'm like, well, man, I, I should probably buy a fire, a firearm, a sidearm, start carrying something. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it makes you kind of, kind of wheezy to think that you're walking in there and something's walking right behind you following you. Yeah. You know? No, I, I Jeez. get it. I get it. Cause you know, here in Michigan, I'm in the center part, the central Michigan of like the lower peninsula. And, um, <clears throat> We've had people have, you know, get bears on camera around us, but, you know, our camp, we've never had a bear on camera. No, you know, people said they've seen them around there. Um, I'm not really scared of the bears. It What scares the shit out of me sometimes is the fact that there might be like a cougar. You know what I mean? Because the mm-hmm. whole talk was like the DNR yes. been letting cougars, well, they never said they did, but like, and there's like, oh, there's no cougars in, in Michigan. But then, you know, there's all these millions of trail cams out in the timber every year and people get pictures of them. It's like, okay, how'd they get here? You know? But it's yeah. like those things like cats, dude, cats in general freak me out. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're yeah. sitting on your lap purring one minute and then they're ripping your face off the next minute. It's like, okay. Like, yeah, I don't mess with house cats, man. No, I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat guy. <laughs> they're the ultimate predator in my opinion, man. Yeah, they are. They're good at their craft. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yep. Well, I want to get in a little bit here, you know, keeping going on your hunting and stuff like that. You grew up in Wisconsin. Did you hunt a lot of the bluff country over there? Yeah, that's actually, we're right on the Mississippi. Okay. So, um, I mean, I can almost spit to the Mississippi from my tree stand, honestly. I got gotcha. you. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's really what I, that's what I've hunted my whole life since I've, you know, I mean, that's, that's the land, that's the country that I've hiked, you know, since I was six, that's what dad was dragging me through were those bluffs. And, um, that's where I'm at today. It's really, it's the same property, um, aside from some of the public that I'll dive into here and there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm trying to relate like something that I've, an instance I've been in. So I filmed, uh, this was back in like 2013, over in Wisconsin. I've never hunted it. I want to really bad, but it was in, uh, 
Oh God, you'd have to say some counties over on the west side. Um, Are you well? Trempolo. Up, like we were in Trempolo. That's Trempolo. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Right so next to Buffalo. Yep, we were in Trempolo County, and it was hillier than all get out. And, oh yeah. You know, big woods with like, you know, ag fields woven in some of the some of the timber. It was crazy. I'd hate yes. to farm some of the fields around there because nothing's straight, nothing's flat, nothing's nothing. You know. Um, big deer though. So like that was like my first introduction into big woods, like hill country stuff. And it was a week long. We didn't see a ton of deer, um, saw one good pieball buck. Um, but it's tricky, man. It, it was, it was an eye opener. It was like, remember how I said like out of body experience? Like I've never experienced anything like that up to that point. And it was like, this is different. Like you have to take everything into account all the time wind thermals how you're entering where the deer bedding what you know it's just different to me so when did you really start taking that stuff seriously like really start thinking you know soup to nuts a to z and you know because when i was in high school i thought i was a serious hunter and i really wasn't you know you're just going out there (laughs) sitting a stand and everything but like when did you really start taking all of that stuff into consideration Man, um, so 2015 was when I shot my first uh, shoulder-mounted deer, Okay, one that I thought was worthy of the wall. So I would say that that was probably, I don't know, I'd back up even further. Um, I would say probably right around 2010, I shot like a 16-inch eight-pointer. It's my first real decent deer with a bow. And it was at that point where I was like, you know, this is really fun. And it was, you know, I had a lot of rut action that, that weekend or week that I was there. And it just really, I think that, that year it hit me where I really wanted to focus in on it and, and try to become as best as I could and really try to figure out, because like you said, the bluff country is hard. It's very tricky. There's so many variables that you have to weigh and I, you, you can never, you can never sit in the perfect tree where everything is in your favor, like especially over there. Oh um, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. You're giving up something every time. I feel like exactly. You have to give something up, you know? Um, and for me, and I know a lot of guys will probably disagree, but it's, it's the wind that I have to just kind of throw to the wind, if you will, because it, I have to hunt the thermals more than anything because of the draws and all the valleys and how the wind will come howling down that Mississippi and it'll hit these draws and come screaming up the draws and before you know it, a northwest wind is now running southeast because of the way the draws are. Yep. And so, and the way that it'll it'll ride the hips and 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 move around on you, you know, and everything. So, I've really kind of honed in on the thermals more more so. So I try to sit higher in the mornings, and I and sometimes I'll sit lower if there's if there's buck sign, you know, down low. Some in some of these draws there is, so I will go lower. Um, but I, I predominantly I hunt I hunt the rut, um, so I usually try to take a vacation every year. My birthday is November sixth, so right at the peak of the rut breeding season, I try to get over there. Um, however, this year I do think I'm going to try to get some more October hunts in. Um, now that I've looked at back at some more cell cam data, I'm not huge on cell cams. I only run a couple. Um, but I've noticed a trend that October 15th, specifically the 15th, I've gotten several 
real nice deer in the last several years on camera um, on their way back to the bed, you know, late morning on October 15th. And I've just, I've never given October really um, a whole lot of attention. It's always just been November. Um, so I think that's a transition I'm going to try to make. This, I'm going to try to get in there a little bit more in October and see, um, see what these scrapes are doing. Uh, I, I, I like to make a lot of mock scrapes, uh, for my, for my different stand setups. Yep. Um, I, I like to use, I don't know, three to four of them if I can, um, to kind of give them a, a path of dire- a directional path, you know, so I can kind of get them moving in a certain way through there if I can. Um, so I try to use some scrapes to my advantage by doing that and, uh, and sitting high in, in, in the morning and using those thermals. And, you know, if I can find a pinch or a, a funnel, some type of bottleneck where it's focusing these deer down, because a lot of these gorges and, and valleys in there are so deep. If they can get high, they rather over there, I think they prefer to travel high. It's easier travel for them. And when they're out searching for a doe, they're putting the miles on right like they're they're running they're moving all over yep and in order to do that without expending a lot of energy they stay high where they can travel flatter ground so i find a lot i've had a lot more success in the you know up top and that it coincides there's a lot of ag that's up top too where i'm at that's where the ag is it's not down low however in that same county i've seen a lot of farms now in the past i've seen ag down down below and i'm just I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how those egg fields don't get flooded with all the runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I key in on it a little bit and try to try to catch one slipping up or catch one cruising, you know, um, yeah. through a pit point bottleneck, whatever. So you said you like to hunt high in the morning. Do you yes. typically in the evenings, will you move in the bottom ever? Yeah, I will. I haven't done it here in the, in the, past couple years only just because i haven't had to i've i've ended up tagging out um in my morning sits so yep i will though absolutely yeah the reason why i ask is because uh i've hunted similar country in ohio like real hilly um and in the evenings well i i just find in general the deer bed low like they'll bed low more than often so the evenings can be tricky um and i know it's probably a generic answer but i think hunting that mid-level is it's been really good for me and good for Mm -hmm. the you know if i'm filming or you know doesn't matter if i'm i'm hunting or filming or whatnot it's been really good i see so it's like for me when i go into a scenario like that i'm trying to figure out like where's that threshold like where can i get you know as close to them as possible to get them, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the year. And, you know, I love hunting the end of October, like in that seeking phase, but still they're kind yep. of on that, like bed to food, still a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I try to find that threshold to where I can slip in, have the thermals or the wind right, and it's so tricky, dude. I hate it. I hate <laughs> worrying about wind and thermals. I absolutely hate it. It it keeps me awake at night. <laughs> it really does, <laughs> you know. Um, yep. It's got a mind of its own honestly, but I try to find that threshold. So that's what I'm wondering. Like how low do you get? Like, have you ever sat in the very bottom or do you see the same trends? Like, do you see deer bedding low a lot? Um, so that South end of the farm that I was talking about earlier, 
the first I, I shot a 135 inch 10 pointer in there back in 2015 and I shot him in the absolute bottom of this drainage. What time and of year? This one I shot him on what day? I shot him November 8th. I shot him at nine in the morning. I've shot the majority of my bucks in the nine o'clock hour in the morning. So you sat low in the morning. That morning I did because it was Sunday. It's the closest stand to the truck. It's easy to get into, and I had to leave. Were I only you hung had over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not hiking that hill this morning. <laughs> exactly. No, I had to I had to leave. Uh, I only had a couple hours. So I told Dad, I said, I'm going to go hop in the bottom stand just because it's close, it's quick, and we're going to be leaving here. I- I'm going to climb down by 10. And uh, we had to, it's two and a half hours from home where we hunt. So we had to get on the road and come back. And uh, I can't remember why, but we did. And I shot him, I think it was the last day of my rutcation. So I think it was the fifth day. And I shot him on a Sunday, I believe it was, at nine o'clock. I was going to climb down an hour later at 10. But at nine o'clock, um, I, I heard, uh, <laughs> it's funny, the other, there's one other guy that, that is able to bow hunt it in there than us um he's he's a big duck hunter though so he's really not in there a whole lot and for whatever reason he came into this same draw that i did Mm -hmm. i went up further up the draw he knew i was in there whatever he hunted the front end of it right by the house and i i went up in probably a 400 yards deep and i'm in the stand and i can hear him rattling and grunting and just going to town up in the front end of the draw. And I'm like, what the hell, you know? And I'm getting kind of pissed off thinking we're, we're screwing each other up here. (laughs) Like I'm just going to get down and leave. And he gets going on this grunt and he keeps going. And I'm like, well, what the hell? What? Like, does he must see something like he's doing it that much. And I start looking up the hill and I can see two tails, uh, two tails wagon. And I can't, I can't make out what they are. I put the binos up. I still can't make out what they are. And I'm like, man, screw it. I grab my rack and I start banging these antlers together and, and just trying to make as much of a ruckus as I can. I'm thinking if there's something up on the top of this hill that he sees and he hears two, you know, two different sets of calls going on here, he's going to have to make a decision and some, you know, he, he's going to come to one of us, I would think. Mm-hmm. So I start going to town and he chose me and he came down and he came through these rushes. I could see him coming. I couldn't see the rack yet. And he comes through this buckthorn and out he steps and I could just see the one left side of him. And I could see his entire body, but I couldn't see the, I couldn't see his head. I could see half of his rack. His face was covered and that last half of his neck and his whole body was exposed. And immediately I was like, grab the ball shooter for sure. Yep. And, uh, I grabbed the ball. I drew, he steps out, he's coming down. He's coming right into my lane. I stop him. I let it go. And I hit him way back. I punched the trigger. I mean, I almost, I, I, I punched the trigger almost at the same time. I went, man, like I, I rushed everything. I, w- I was shook, shaking so bad. It was, it was the biggest deer I had had in, in front of me up until that point. And uh, I punched the trigger, made a bad shot. The arrow hit him in his femoral artery right above his rear, his, basically his rear quarter, his rear ham. It hit him, it hit him real high, but I, I, I 
clipped that artery and he ran about 20 yards down the draw and he stopped. And then I heard him crash and I just shook. Um, (laughs) I called dad. I told him, I'm like, I just shot, I think I just shot a wall hanger and he's down right here in, in between John and I. He's like, are you kidding me? And I said, no, I, I, head, head on down. I'm, I'm sure he's down. He's, he's right up here. Yep. And so we got down and we, John, John followed my dad up and they came, they came up the draw to me and John's like, yep, that's him. That's the one I, I, I could see him up there this morning. I was calling to him. You know, I was like, oh, I heard you. <laughs> I said, I about got down. <laughs> I said, I got pissed off. You know, I was like, I screwing up my hunt here, bud. You knew I was in here and you know, whatever. It, it obviously it didn't matter after that, but, um, yeah. So that morning in particular, I sat low only because I was going to leave, you know, and yeah, that that's it. Otherwise I, yeah. In the mornings I try to get high. I, I get up by the food where I think, you know, the egg, the, all the egg is up top. They're going to come off the egg in the morning. They're going to come into the timber a ways and they're going to find one of these South facing hillsides maybe and, and bed. Um, it's not always a South facing hill obviously, but, uh, that's my game plan, you know? So I, I I play off the field edges probably, Oh, I'd say a hundred, 150 yards tucked in the timber and try to get in there well before light and let everything settle down and, and basically catch them coming back to bed. Yeah. You know, in, in, in that November timeframe too, not all the time, but you can throw a lot of caution to the wind where, you know, you just, it's, it's difficult. Like, making that decision you know what i mean it's like because the way my head works and it's not like everybody works but you get so ingrained in your head it's like that bed to food or this is where they're feeding or this is where the does are going to be or this where you know you kind of got to play that also but it's like man it's a rut anything could happen exactly yeah i think they're you know what you're saying there is those are some staples right that we can all you know for sure use um but yeah once you hit november i mean anything's a, a guess at that point you know it's it's more or less you are you're hunting the does so i'm 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 banking on these does coming back into bed um you know in in the early season when i scout it i can find all the beds uh where the does where the doe family groups are are bedding so then i know come november if they're still using that same section which i think they are then maybe there's going to be a buck and tote coming off the field with her. Sure. And yeah. A couple mornings it's worked. What, uh, on average, <clears throat> on average, how, like the property, that private that you guys hunt, like over the last, let's call it, I mean, just as long as you've ever hunted, I guess, on average, like how big of a deer are you guys taking? Like what's the, what's the average you think? Well, so for years, we could, I, for years, I did not, I, I didn't see bucks. Really? Yeah. Now, granted, I'm hunting it a lot differently now that I'm older and I have more time and I'm banking time up where I'm going over for five, six day stints in the rut. When I was younger, like in my college years and high school, I was only hunting weekends. Yep. So I was going over for a day and a half. You know, it's hard to get it done in a day and a half. And, and it's probably hard drinking way too much. And like, you know, <laughs> hunting wasn't like you're there to hunt, but get, you know, drink. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the the bug hadn't really bit me, you know, right. as hard as it has here in the last few years, uh, back then. So yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we, we struggled to see antler deer in there. I mean, we did. 
I got to a point, I remember telling dad, I was like, dad, I didn't think there's bucks in here. I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, we, we saw, we saw doe after doe after doe, plenty of does. They were in there. And then, uh, earlier, um, in, in the early years, Terry decided to, you know, he told us, he's like, I don't want you shooting any more does. So when he told us that, it really deflated us because it was like, dude, we can't shoot does. Like we don't even see bucks. Right. Now everything's off the table kind of, you know? So for about the first two years that we couldn't shoot does, we, we didn't punch any tags. But after that, I started to see more and more and more bucks and the does were still there. They were still there. I mean, hot and heavy. There were, there's plenty of does on this farm and it just slowly grew. And we would, every year we would see more and more bucks, more and more bucks on the cameras, more and more bucks with our eyes, just being out there, you know, and actually physically seeing them. And so I, I don't know, you know, a lot of guys will argue you got to, you got to manage that doe herd to keep, you know, to, to have a healthy buck doe ratio. And I don't know. I mean, to me, it's, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to think about it because there were so many does in there. Yeah. I didn't see any bucks for a long time. Now we stopped shooting the does. There's probably more does in there than ever. And now I'm seeing them. But again, when I, when it's the rut, maybe we're pulling, we're, I'm sure we are, we're pulling bucks from other, from other farms. Right because we do have the ladies over there, you know? Yeah. So they're, they're coming in. There's um, so many ways you can look at that though, too. You know, Yeah. I'm right. more on the side of like kill those. Um, yeah. But in the, re and I, I would think, I mean, there's a lot, like you said, for a healthier herd, but what I like to do is I like to vocalize with deer. And mm -hmm. when I can't call to a deer and they won't respond or, they won't react to it. Like that's when it's like, man, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, per, I have, I have two perfect worlds. I, well, I shouldn't say perfect worlds. I have two different worlds. I have an ag country farm in Michigan and I have a big woods farm and the big woods farm is littered with does littered. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we could kill probably 30 does a year and it probably wouldn't do much to be honest with <laughs> you. But like my farm country I can call to bucks and they will respond immediately, immediately, oh, yeah. almost, almost guaranteed. But when mm -hmm. I call to a buck on my big woods stuff, like, it's like they're flipping you the hoof. Like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, yeah. like I don't need, cause there's, there's no competition there's over here. Yes. I don't need, yeah, I don't need to go to you. Right? No competition. So I kind of, on not only that alone, but like that is like I'm more on the side of killing does to kind of try to even it out. I don't do my part yeah. every year. I'm not going to lie to you, but I do have friends that are like, well, if I keep the does here, that just makes more buck fawns. But my rebuttal to that is those bucks that are getting born on your farm aren't going to be there. They leave. Right. Because that's, that's how yep. incest, that's how deer get yeah. rid of incest and you know so they kick those bucks off you won't you know so it's yeah. six half one does the other what do you go you know right exactly yeah too many does and she's gonna boot all the bucks the young bucks that are trying to get after her and yep. yeah you're gonna lose that that inventory anyways so sure yeah it's tough yeah so 
do you part of the reason it makes it fun i guess i, I guess you know and i <laughs> that's why i love having a podcast because we can bullshit about it <laughs> you yeah know? exactly yep. um so you've been hunting a lot of bluff country so have you hunted yep. any flat ground like i mean flat where the i mean you could see your dog run away for two days <laughs> no i haven't nothing no i haven't okay have I, you been I, out I, of wisconsin they, at all hunting no, I haven't, and that's really? one of my main goals here. Yeah, yep, I haven't. Um, really, it's 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 the time, you know. Um, after high school, going to college, I didn't have time then either, you know. And now, <clears throat> with the family and everything, it, it's it's been a little bit of a it's been tricky, but um, mm-hmm. it it's definitely a goal of mine. I'd like to. I'm going to start paying in for Iowa here and start building up some points and hopefully get my get myself over there i got a few buddies that live over there that can put me on some some pretty good public that i'd like to give it a shot um so yeah unfortunately i haven't gotten out of wisconsin yet but i'm not complaining either at the same time i'm having a good time here but yes i would definitely love to get out and try something new yep no i i like that so i'm gonna pivot a little bit here because something that really um raised my like attention when when you and i've been kind of talking in the past is you do all solo filming but you film it with your phone um yeah and i think i find that really fascinating because uh for a lot of reasons and i've filmed myself a lot and i'm gonna get more into doing it now self-filming and, and you know it's like everybody out there listening that's has self-filmed it's like you get what you get like it's you can try mm-hmm. to produce it as good as you can and that's just what it's gonna be so yeah i think um cameron durr from from exodus he just put a podcast out on his podcast the deer good pod deer gear podcast not too long ago and he talked about uh his opinion and i agree 100 with it is like the single most or the single reason why people get out of self-filming is because of the the camera arm they have to pull a a freaking huge camera arm into self-film and stuff like i couldn't agree more um Mm -hmm. so getting in like i'm gonna try to get back into it this year and you really got me interested on using a cell phone like because i have a newer iphone and it shoots Mm -hmm. 4k you can shoot in 24p or 30p or 60 or whatever you want you got frame rate you got all that sort of thing you put out a video this year on youtube of your buck last year um and you filmed it all with your phone dude and i couldn't tell it was a phone to be honest with you so it was like i'm like kudos to you so i i need to learn more (laughs) thanks yeah thanks man i appreciate that so like going um, into going into this year like i mean how many years have you filmed with your phone i guess you know i found it, it's i've kind of like grown with it where the first few years it was just really slow and it was just kind of like maybe right after the shot i would just do like a, a little interview of myself you know and then like maybe a couple shots of the blood trail and then some photos of the deer it's kind of how i started and then I'm like, man, I, you know, it'd be cool to get a camera. I always thought you needed this big camera. Sure. You know, like, and then eventually I got to the point where I was like, you just need to slow down and really like think about how you want to film it and just try it with the phone. And I started trying it and it turned out all right. Yes, it's, it's solo filming. It's never going to be great, you know, but, um, so I, I got into it, I would say pretty heavy here five years ago is when I really started to try to pay more attention to it. And 
um, I think it's gotten better each year only, you know, just because you learn, you learn from the previous year. Like, I don't care for how I did this, or I forgot that I want to make sure I add that in, you know, next year or, or whatever it might be. Um, and I found myself, I'm making a list where I have, you know, ideas, basically there, it's a list of shots that I want to make, you know, um, whatever it might be like the truck ride over. You know, I want to make sure I do an interview on the ride over. You know, I want to make sure I have some B-roll of this, this, and this. And just to keep a keep a list of ideas, because when you're out there and you're doing it, you're, and, and you, let's say you are successful and you do punch your tag, we all know it, your emotions are flying. You're everything goes out the pumped. window. <laughs> yeah, you forget everything, you yes. know, and I'm like, I got to revert back to this list so I can hopefully try to make a good video out of it, you know? And I, you also understand, like, some guys don't care for video. Some guys think that, you know, guys who post their, their hunts on YouTube, they don't really care for it. They think, you know, they have their own, their own opinion about it. And that's fine. I found myself wanting to do it more and more because when I started, my dad was around and I didn't get enough footage of him. And Mm -hmm. then when he passed away, it really irked me that I didn't have him in more of the films, more of the videos. And I also looked at it from the point that I don't have any videos of him like when he was younger or video or, or, or photos, many photos of him when he was younger. And I started thinking about my kids and like when I'm out of here and I'm gone, I'd like my kids to have some cool things to look back on of me, you know? So it's not just about trying to, you know, get all these views on YouTube and everything. I personally only do this for my, for me, like, you know, like that's it. I had to create the channel obviously to to upload the videos, but, um, it it is, it's just me and my own memory bank and my family for when I'm gone. Really? Dude, I love to look, look back on. Yeah. I love that you said that because that's a discussion I had with my wife when I started this podcast four years ago was, one of the reasons was, you know, my daughter was a newborn when I started doing it. And, you know, whether she wants to hunt or not, or if she ever has kids and I'll have grandkids, hopefully, um, this audio will live forever somewhere. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like, if the grandkids want to know how grandpa was or what he did, you know, hunting, hunting is my biggest passion. It really is. And, um, maybe they can look back at this and, and like, listen to grandpa, you know, like, Hey kids, like this is me, you know, it's like 34 years old right now. And I'm like, you know, love hunting and this is what I do. And hopefully, you know, maybe my daughter will hunt, you know? And if she does, Mm -hmm. she, she doesn't, she knows I talk into a mic, but she doesn't understand like what, what it's all about. You know, she's four. So that literally the whole world can hear you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that is like one of the top reasons why I wanted to to start a podcast too is like this will live forever somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um yep. and also like giving back to other hunters as well. Like as much as I can give back like the knowledge like guys like yourself on, you know, like guests, mm-hmm. like I try to get some of the top notch guys on, like the Troy Pottingers, the Ryan Glitzkys, the He Siscos, yeah. the Justin Hollinsworths. Like, dude, those yep, guys are cool. like top notch DIY guys, like Andy Mays, you know, like yes. those are the guys that you want to learn from. So yes. Yes. Yep. 
I, I get it, man. And that's cool. And that, that I, I agree. Like, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm trying to put some stuff on my YouTube channel and grow it a little more too. And like, I've evolved over the years where it's like, yeah, I mean, views are cool to look at like, Hey, you're getting views, but like, if I don't like it, nobody else will like it. Like I have to exactly. like it first. Right. 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 And then you look, I looked at, I mean, it's not a way that I look at it, but for the listeners, like with my graphic design degree background and my artistic background, it just fit. Yeah. Like being able to create the video, you know, and come up with different shots and try to tell a story successfully. Um, it was just, it was right in my ballpark, you know, and I never did anything really at all in college with any video editing software. Um, so when I got out and I started trying to do these hunts and film this stuff, I was like, okay, I was, I was intimidated, you know, by the software. Cause I was like, this, uh, this is huge. Like there's so many buttons and like right. looking at the screen, I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And you know, YouTube is your, your best friend and Google, you know, and, and t- teach yourself and figure it out. And it, it's something to, I don't know, you know, you teach yourself that and it's a sense of pride too. And when it For turns sure. out all right, you're really cool. You know, you're, you're really jacked about it, man. You're like, this is awesome. This is going to be here. Like you said, it'll be here forever. Mm-hmm. And I can always go back to it, you know, and it helps you get pumped up for the, uh, for the upcoming season. You yeah. Know? Like I'm does. sure I'll, <laughs> I'll probably watch that video from last <laughs> season, you know, come, come July, I'll start watching it, you yep. know, and getting pumped up. So yeah, man, it's, uh, I mean, let's face it, trying to make money on YouTube, like that's, that's like a fart in the wind, man. I mean, you need <laughs> so much stuff on there. So it's not, you know, if you're doing it, if you're trying to do it for that, more kudos to you. It's a ton of work to try to do that. Um, yeah, I, I just, for me, it's, it's just, it's, it's a memory bank is all it is. For sure. It's a scrapbook. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, yep, it's a virtual scratch scrapbook. So yep. going back to the iPhone stuff, what are, I mean, you and I kind of text back and forth in the past of like, cause I, I yeah. actually like right now I look over to my computer and I'm editing a scouting video my buddy and I did a couple weeks ago and I'm trying to get it out. Well, I filmed the whole day on my phone. Um, mm-hmm. and this was like right after I talked to you and you were giving me some pointers of like, dude, film it in 24 P like, and a lot mm-hmm. of people are wondering like, what the heck is that? Well, it's like the frame rate that you use and everything. Um, yep. so a 24 P is like, that is like what more films are shot on, like on yeah, movies 24, and everything. Right. 24 from my understanding is is really it's it's what your your eye views it's how your eye looks and how your eye takes in everyday life so when you when your eye moves across something you have a little bit of image blur right like like there's a trail behind the street light that you look at or when you move your eyes just in normal vision have a little bit of a trail well when you get to like 60 frames per second and 120 and 240 that stuff starts to disappear and it almost looks fake, not fake, but it's just, it's, it looks it, home video esque. Yes. It's, it's home super video sharp, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you're, it depends what look you're going for, really. Um, it also depends on, you know, your phone, fo- if you're doing it on your phone, you got to be mindful of the size, you know, of the file and everything. Um, so shooting in that 24, it uploads better. I've seen, um, I think the image quality is still super sharp, 
Um, and a, a lot of guys, a lot of guys like it. Um, I had a couple comments on that video from last year. I shot mine in 4k at 60 frames per second. And there were several guys in there that were like, you know, I, I used to think 60 frames per second was what you had to do it in and this and that. And they were telling me how 24, you know, is more what is more, uh, what the human eye sees every day. Um, I personally haven't shot anything in 24 yet, so I do want to try it. So when I told you that, that was because of what I was told after the fact. Yep. Um, yep. I said, try it, try it in 24. It sounds like you're not going to have any issues with upload. The upload will be easier. The file size will be smaller. It'll be easier to render all of these things. So, so by yeah. the time this episode goes live, I'm hoping to have this video up. So this whole video... Um, went and scouted some public land and it's taken me forever to get it edited just because it's, it's a, I'm a moonlighter when it comes to stuff on my own. So it's like, you know, I'm editing them at night and it's like a 15 minute long movie and, or a video. Oh, yeah. I got to put, you know, I want to put maps to it. So I'm creating maps in Photoshop and try to, you know, and I'm not very good at Photoshop. I can do enough just to like scribble on paper, basically, not like yourself. <laughs> and um, my buddy Tyler Bentley is unbelievable at graphics. So he uses all Illustrator stuff and he's like really good. And I just kind of scribble on paper. But anyway, hopefully by the time that this goes live, it'll be up. But um, you can see how it looks in 24. I will say when I brought all the footage into Premiere, it kind of made it like really flat, which is okay, but it wasn't flat as far as like DSLR flat to where it's like really easy to color. It's I'm I'm finding kind of an issue to color it. Uh, oh, and it's maybe I can I need to look a little farther into it. But as far as like the frame rate, let's go back to frame rate. Twenty four looks yeah. way better. Like it looks like a, a like a DSLR. It really does. Yeah. And everybody out there okay. like wondering what a DSLR is. It's a picture camera. It's like a camera that you might see someone taking photos with is what a, a DSLR is other than, you know, like a, right. like a shoulder camera or a camcorder. So yes, it looks really good. It does. Um, good. I'm having, a, like I said, slight issues coloring it, but I haven't really dove too far. Into it. I'm just trying to get my storyline down get everything built and then go back and color it. So it looks good. I'll, I'll be interested to see how it uploads and what it looks like on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Coloring is a man. I don't know what it depends on the software that you're using, but I know nothing about coloring <laughs> and I should with my, with my background, but not, uh, not in video world, <laughs> not yet. Anyways. Yep. yep. Um, so, I shot that video last year's video and I had the camera, the setting was on raw. So I shot it in a raw format, which I think is what gave me the issues that I did with the color in that video. Like if you look at it, you don't feel like it's in November to me. It doesn't anyways. It feels like it's almost middle of summer aside okay. from the leaves on the floor. Everything seems to be a little bit washed out for my liking. I tried to color it. Mine's the same way, dude. I wonder if I'm in raw also. I didn't check yeah, that. Yeah, you might be. So raw has some good benefits for editing. I, If you do it, you're going to have a couple hurdles when you want to try to bring the color back, in my opinion. Like raw is, if I understand it right, um, my buddy Adam Wample, who's going to end up hearing this, I, I've relied on him a lot for some of this, uh, for all of it, for all of the 
the camera questions that I have and, and recording video. He's he spent a lot of time on this and he's he's really well versed in it as well. Um, raw is a much smaller file size. It, it basically it takes the recording and captures it without as much data as there would be if you shot it in an unraw format. So let me, let me say that again or differently. The iPhone, if you shoot it in a standard format, it'll color things the way it thinks it needs to be colored. Like that green tree over there with based off of how blue the sky is, we're going to, we're going to spit that tree out this, this green. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Where if you shoot it in raw, it's very flat colored and it's just, it, it's the information is there and then it's up to you to come back and kind of bring it back to life. Um, I don't know if I'm going to shoot in raw again, just because of the hurdle that I had now trying to recolor it. Now that's kind of the exact opposite. If I was to- that I was told or that I've learned for still images. So like still yes. images are right. a bigger file and it, you want to you want to shoot raw for still images because it gives Correct. you more flexibility to color them. Now, yeah. if you're shooting, if any any uh, foot photography enthusiasts out there, and I'm not a great mm-hmm. photographer by any means, but I know a little bit about it. I've got friends, colleagues that I work with that are unbelievable photographers, are way better than me. Um, but like, if you're if you have an SLR and you're an enthusiast and you're trying to learn it, shoot in raw. Like your images, mm-hmm. your still images, you want to shoot them in raw. File right. sizes are bigger, but they're better to color and post. Now, going back to the video side with your phone, I guess I didn't really know that there was a raw setting in your iPhone. Yeah. Um, I'll bet you that's what it's on because when I brought it into my timeline, it is like washed out. And I'm trying yeah. to get the colors back so hard. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with it. So, in coloring in video and like me personally is like one of my weaker suits. Like I'm not a great color by any means. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I need to learn better at it. But yeah, <clears throat> so no, I, I agree. Coloring is definitely, it's definitely true. It's an art form. It I, really yeah. is. And for the amount of time that you're going to spend coloring it later, I almost rather just not shoot it in raw. If that's what it's going to do. I'd rather yeah. just shoot. Like I said, I'm not trying to do anything crazy with this video. It's, it's just for me. Right. Like, but you I'll want just, it to look I'll good, though. Camera. Absolutely, but I think I think the phone does a great job shooting it in the standard format in an in a non raw format. I think that color that colorway that it that it gives me is plenty good for me. Yep, for sure. So I may I may just revert it next year and go back. It's something so. I'm going to deal with or like <clears throat> look at too, and I'm I'm kind of fighting with myself as well because I've got this iPhone 13 that's like shoots unbelievable video, but then it's like. It doesn't zoom the greatest, so that's what I want to get into next. So it doesn't zoom great. Um, yeah, right. So I'm actually looking at like possibly getting like a cheap camcorder, like $250 camcorder. It shoots 1080. Um, I can shoot 1080-60. Doesn't do any like slow mo or nothing like that. Like I'm okay with like I just need something that's gonna zoom and get the kill shot, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna do all my producing, all my storyline stuff with either my phone vlogging or I'm going to get a new GoPro. So that's what I'm kind of trying to balance right now is like what I'm going to do there. Cause I've, you know, I deal like when I work, I I'm, I'm working and shooting on cameras that are thousands of dollars 
And yeah. now I kind of want to revert back to like, for me to self-film myself, it has to be convenient. I don't want to ever have to get up and be like, God, I got to set the tree arm up. I got to put the camera oh like, God. dude. Yep. And then I just don't take it. So it's got to be convenient. It's got to be light. It's got to be like, just yep. set it up real quick, put it on there. If I get the shot, I get the shot. If not, I don't. Like, I don't want yeah. it to be forced, if that makes no, sense. Ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want it to be a burden because now you're taken away from the hunt. And yes. Now you're not enjoying it as much. I completely understand. <clears throat> I've never, I, I, I did use a camcorder back in the day, a little handy cam with a little pop out screen. Um, the swing arm that I've used this entire time was the, it, it's a, it's a small mini arm from Muddy. Is it it's the like hunt 50, hard arm? I don't think, oh, maybe it is. Maybe it I was. think on Amazon, they're like 60 bucks. 54, 54 99, I think. Yeah. Is it worth getting? So, Cause I was looking at getting one. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I've used for the last man out of 10 years, probably however really? long. Okay. I've been doing. Yeah. And <clears throat> I did use. I'm sorry. I did have a friend of mine cut uh, a third arm for it because I didn't like the length on it. I couldn't wrap it around me as much as I wanted to in case they came to my left. Yep. So I did make a, a, a third arm and and put that on a couple Teflon washers and a couple bolts, you know, and you're good to go. Um, but for the price point and a phone clip and maybe an external mic on top, you know, on top of the, the phone clip. I mean, we're talking less than, oh my gosh, what is that? Like you got 60 bucks on the arm, you got 10 or 15 on the phone clip. You're looking your at less than a hundred bucks for that. Easy. Yeah. And you're recording with your phone. So that's when I jumped to that and I'm like, I'm just going to run this. Um, and this year I'm buying the, uh, I'm picking up that the lone wolf custom gear pocket arm. Yep. Uh, the muddy that I have that you mentioned, it's, it's quite a bit heavy, uh, heavier than, than that pocket arm. Um, the base on it that actually mounts to the tree, it's got a ratchet strap. So it's kind of loud. Um, yes, you're paying quite a bit more for that pocket arm, but I think the savings, the strap style, um, I think it's just worth it. Plus, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, buy once, cry once, I guess, kind of thing, you know? Um, I, yeah, I'm, I, the, I'm, I'm gonna, in the same under, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, but like, I'm cheap as hell. And yeah, no, I am. Too. I, you I know am what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just can't, I just can't fathom spending 250 bucks on an arm. No, you can find them. You can find them cheaper than that, though, if you, you know. Why yeah. did you find something not saying i won't get one but it's just like i i, I yeah. have two buddies that have them and they're like dude self filming they're legit they're yeah. like the pocket arms and i'm like i know they probably are yeah like <laughs> so i should probably get one but i don't know i'd use one find a used one i yes i personally wouldn't spend 250 on one i don't think that i'd buy a brand new one but yeah um i have a beat on a used one a nice used one that i'm gonna grab so but yeah man i'm the pocket arm um, a, they have these billet on Amazon. It's like a billet aluminum machined uh, phone clip, and it has the cold the cold shoe mount on top of it for an external little road if you want with a wind on that. I, those are forty bucks. The phone clip's ten, and then that mini pocket arm, how whatever you can find that for, and you're off and running. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you want that you were thinking about getting a camcorder because of the zoom on the phone. One thing that if you're going to be recording on your phone, um, 
I've learned, don't zoom. <laughs> don't zoom on the phone. The image quality drops down drastically on the zoom. What you want to do is leave that phone, leave, leave the zoom alone, keep the deer in the frame, and later in post-edit, whatever software you're using, crop down into the frame make the frame the size that you want it to be where that deer is uh, deer, whatever it might be is the size that you'd like it to be. Um, that way you keep your image quality up and now you essentially you zoomed by doing this, if that makes sense, because you're recropping that frame to the size to fit the TV and zoomed in by cropping in. If that yep. if I'm worried, makes total right sense. TV, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So worry about the zoom later in post edit. Um, and it'll help. Yeah. It'll, it'll just save on the image quality. Don't zoom. I made the, I made the mistake and I do it every year because my, you know, I got a deer, I got a buck coming in and I think I'm going to shoot it. And <laughs> I don't know right from wrong at that point. So right. I'm, I'm fumbling around and I'm zooming and I know I shouldn't be. Um, but, uh, yeah, keep the zoom out. That's my biggest, uh, my biggest tip, I guess. Keep, keep it out and worry about recropping later in post edit. Yeah. So dude, as I'm like trying to weigh the options here from like camcorder to my phone, I'm a cheap ass, so I don't want to spend money. Um, but I'm trying to like justify taking it all the time to film. Like what is, what am right. I going to be more apt to take? I'm more apt to take my phone cause I'm, my phone's with me all the time anyway. It's already I, with you. Yep. Exactly. I already have a aluminum phone clamp like you talked with a cold mm -hmm. shoe i have a recovery light that goes on that already um and i actually i bought a 40 dollar lav mic that hooks to your chest if everybody out there wondering what a lav mic is it's like a wireless mic it's got a wire on it you plug it into your phone where the you know where you plug your phone in to charge it and when you watch this video when it comes out on on youtube the scout video, I use that mic and you're going to be like, it, it sounds unbelievable for 40 bucks. Legit, huh? you, awesome. Yeah, it does. So I've got all that stuff literally right now. I could actually save money if I just went and bought the pocket arm, you know, and I've got everything else. The other thing I would recommend too, is like, if you are looking to film with your phone, make sure you have like good space on your phone. Um, my yes, phone so has a hundred and what is it like the hundred is it 160 gigs or 148 gigs or i can't remember 128 gigs maybe i think it's 268 I think. My, mine doesn't have 268 it's let me look let me look was that the pro mine is the 13 mini i have the mini oh the mini okay yeah i, don't, I think I'm you got the pro yes yeah, so iphone storage i've got 128 gigs okay so that is crucial to have and yeah I edit on all Mac stuff. I have Mac computer and everything. So the thing I love about it is you shoot video, you come home and you airdrop it like airdrop to your computer. Right and then you, then I delete it right yeah. off my phone. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's 100%. another plus. And then the other thing is like, you know, how many times are you filming and you got your camera or you're like, if you have your iPhone on your tree arm, if you pull up your camera, you can just use the backwards lens if you ever want to talk into the camera so you don't have to like you know turn the whole the arm around if you don't want to you know what i mean just hit that like where it reverses to the back lens and you just talk yes. to the camera and you're good to go yeah. the, really the only thing your downfall is is the is the zoom 
and I hunt some field yeah. edge, so it's like 200 yards is it can be hard to to really pull in on a deer, really. Uh huh. Right. But, yeah. No, it would. Um. Yeah, Steph. I mean, you get you got to get something up with it. I found though with especially with bow hunting. I mean, you're talking. You know, I don't feel comfortable really shooting out past 40 yards. Can I make the shot? Yeah, but it's it's whether or not he's going to be there. Right. That, sure. that whole. So anything inside 40, 50 yards, the phone picks up so well. So I just, I haven't found myself in a position where, um, as far as the kill shot goes, or as far as getting a deer in frame, I just haven't found myself in that situation often enough where I'm like, man, I really need a camcorder so I can zoom in. Yeah. If you're out in the Dakotas and you're two, 300 yards away and you want to get them on film. Yeah. I get that for sure. Yep. Um, but in bluff country over there, it's pretty tight quarters, if you know what I mean. And it's, you know, they're kind of on top of you when, when they're coming in and when you're going to shoot them. So I've found the phone really well. It just, I haven't had enough uh, to sway me the other way and, and spending the money on a on a $1,000 camcorder. And, and, you know, to your point, I don't like waking up in the morning like, are the batteries charged? Yeah, do I have, it's tough. is it in my bag? You know, like, what else do I need? Like, I feel like I'm already taking the grocery store with me and I don't <laughs> have it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm good with the phone for now, but yeah, absolutely, man. If, if you need that Zoom and you're in flatter country, I can totally see the camcorder. Absolutely. I'm going to keep fighting with myself because, I don't know, I, I just... I'll probably I should stay with like the phone because I've already paid for the phone and right. you know what I mean. Right. So it's, it's not like it's the phone's free. You know you're paying for it, but it's like it's it's, yeah. un, it's really good quality. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I might go into this yep. year just be like, hey, let's do it. You know, let's try let's it. Try, try the it. phone. Yeah, absolutely. Try it. Take it for a hunt. You know, in in the earlier part of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it may, it might not be the the hunt that you punch your tag, but try it. You know, and try seeing what it's like to film a deer at eighty yards in the timber. Right. And go back and edit it and be like, man, this is this is fine. I'm yep. good with this. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you want to get in tighter on them than that. Um, yep. A minute ago, you mentioned how, you know, flipping back between the selfie camera and the back camera. When you keep in mind, when you go to that that front facing lens, you know, you lose a, it, it won't record in that 4K or I don't even think they do 1080. I think the selfies are just 720. Is so that, when you get yeah, so when you get to that lens, keep in mind that the image quality is going to drop for that for yep. that record. Good so, tip there. Yeah. Let's pivot one more time here. We're at an hour and fifteen. Are you are you good to keep going here for a little bit? Yeah, I'm good. Yep. Okay, so you know you had mentioned off record that you've switched from mechanical to fixed blade broadhead. So that's something that's been pretty near and dear to my heart last year i did the same thing i shot mechanicals for i don't know 12 13 years leading up Mm -hmm. to last year and i made the switch to a helix broadhead um yeah it's a fixed blade i talk about them a lot everybody probably sick of me talking about them but i get a lot of questions about these broadheads um it's nasty that's why they're great heads (laughs) (laughs) they are um single bevel uh, and i use the 125 grain um and they are like you said, freaking nasty. So I guess first and foremost, why did you switch from mechanical to, uh, to a fixed blade? Yeah. So 
I never had like a bad, like a terrible experience with one with a mechanical. However, I, over the years, I started looking back at things, you know, like if we wanted to rewind way back to when I was 14, right. I was shooting an Easton aluminum shaft arrow with a fifty-five seventy-five Peterbilt, basically fifty-five seventy-five Peterbilt. <laughs> the yeah, arrow was huge. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. With a three blade, um, thunderhead on it, NEP thunder. And I'm zipping these arrows right through these deer. And then the whole speed game came about lightweight carbon shafts, you know, and mechanical heads and everybody went to that and I jumped on it. You know, I was young, impressionable and I jumped on trendy. Well, yeah, exactly. And you look back at these East and, you know, back at those old arrow setups, they were 500, 600 grain setups and we didn't even know it. You know, yep, they, exactly. They, that's a, that was a heavier setup back then with a cut-on contact head. Yep, and the bows got stronger, and then they lighten up the arrows and and make these mechanical heads. And so everybody buys into it, myself included. And I'm shooting deer with them. I'm killing deer with them, but I am not passing this arrow through any of these deer. Really, I mean, not really any of them. Maybe one or two. I shot a doe on public up there one year at six yards with a ra- with, with a rage three blade and at six yards and i got about seven or eight inches of penetration this is on a 70 pound bow at six yards and i'm just like i'm looking at my dad like how how does this happen right how does <laughs> you know so i think it was that at that point that i started to kind of reevaluate it a little bit i never i didn't make the change yet um and i shot a few more it was in 2020 um there's a uh I have a video of it on, on YouTube there. It's called, it's nine ball is the deer. What's and your YouTube sh- channel again? Shout your YouTube channel out. Oh, it's uh it's waiting for November um, is, is the name of it, but it's, it's spelled kind of funky. So it's W the number eight N, the number four and then N O V. Okay, everybody out there, type that in now and go watch. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll see some of them, uh, some of the clips to reels on Instagram. Uh, that's the same. It's the same handle. It's waiting for November on Instagram as well. But um, I shot this deer in 2020, nine ball, and I shot him just a touch forward. He was quartered away from me, and I shot him with an Easton Axis and a Swacker two-inch head. And the arrow passed it didn't pass well it, it it was a pass through it got hung up in him but so it made two holes in him he breaks the shaft off and and off he goes and i ended up tracking that deer down and and we finished the job on him um but at that point it got me thinking how many of these deer or how close am i to not recovering one of these deer Right, because of right. this lack of penetration and lack of, you know, two holes. I want to get two holes in that animal every time if I can help it. Um, now, the wound channel argument with the mechanicals, yes, I get that. But I think that some of these heads, when they get so large, like two inches and bigger, I think they start getting in their own way. Because you're having to get through rib cages and, and bone and legs. You know, when, when you have that blade opening, essentially, in my mind, you're putting the brakes on. You know, you're, you're, you're slowing everything down and when it hits a bone, it wants to, it wants to cantilever the arrow. So now the arrow is going to shift inside the cavity 
and maybe come out down through the liver and out, you know, out through his rear ham or something out, out through his guts. So I started looking at all of this and I, you know, I looked back to the old arrows and I was like, man, these arrows were five, 600 grains, you know, heavy cut on contact head. And now I'm looking at them and I started researching a bit and I came across the, a company called day six gear. And, uh, again, my friend, Adam, he, he kind of, he put, he put me on them and they're a thick walled carbon arrow. These guys don't pay me anything, by the way. This is just the, the company that I found. And uh, it's a thick-walled carbon, carbon shaft. They make their own components. They have this insert-outsert technology that they have. Uh, it's something that I haven't really seen by any other company. And then they have their, their heads. And they have these Evo, Evo X heads and their Evo, Evo heads. Um, I believe they have another, maybe a third line in there as well, but I stick with the 125 Evo X. It's their larger head. It's an, at an inch and a quarter cutting diameter. It's a two blade and it looks a lot like the iron will. Um, a lot of people are familiar yep. with the iron. Will, so I'll reference that, but, um, it's a non vented head, which I like, I don't like the vented heads cause I think they're a little bit louder. I agree. Um, so yep. I can try to, yeah, try to keep that, that noise down. That's always a plus. So I wanted a non-vented head, and uh, so I reached out to to Brian Broderick, who's the the owner um, of Day Six, and they got me all set up. You can go on their website and you can punch in all the specs of your bow, and it will spit out the arrow that you want that that should fit your setup ideally. So I punched that in, and I want to say a day later, it might be it might have been the same day. I got a call back from day six and they just wanted to talk to me and walk me through like what I was looking for and my setup and, and basically to uh, confirm that my setup was correct. And I entered everything correctly. And did we settled down on uh, the day six gear, two seventy five spines. Uh, I want to say they are, gosh, I don't want to misquote this, but I want to say they're 11.8 grains an inch per okay. inch. Yep. Um, and then I have their hundred grain stainless steel insert outsert and their 125 grain head. So the total arrow weight is right at 600 grains. Um, I know some guys are going to think that's, you know, it's over, it's overkill and it probably is. Um, but I didn't, I, I, I got to the point where I didn't want to have to worry about really what angle that deer is at. Now I'm not condoning taking bad shots. But when they're, when they're within 20, 30 yards and you're shooting a heavy arrow with a cut on contact head, sharp, sharp head, I just, I, I think when you're confident in your, in your equipment, I'm sending that arrow. Yeah. If, if, if the angle is right, even if it's a little bit off, if I'm confident in it, I'm, I'm going to shoot it. Um, and you know, in one of your recent episodes, that's, that's, one of the things I picked up on it and I really agree with it is being confident in your gear, being confident in the tree stand. Cause if you're not confident, you're getting down, you're switching, you're moving around. Confidence is key. I mean, you got to be confident when you're out there. If you're not, you're going to be second guessing yourself and it's just not going to be good from there on out. Yeah. Uh, so jump into that heavy arrow with, with that fixed head. I love it. <laughs> uh, this year's, I have only shot one deer with it. So, keep that in mind but what it did on that shot in that instance the deer was hard quartered too he was almost dead on i thought he was dead on when he came in 
And you know how in that last second when you draw and you settle down with your peep and you get your anchor point, he, he must have turned just a touch, um, maybe only 5, 10 degrees. So he was still heavy quartered too. And I put it where I, I, I thought was like right on his right on that shoulder knuckle where the scapula connects to the leg bone. Yep. And I was like, this is it. This is why I built this arrow. I'm putting it on him and I'm going to leave it. And I let it go. I cleared the shoulder, cleared the scapula. It zipped right between his ribs and blew, blew clean through him. It landed 20 yards behind him. He trots off 50 yards and stops and he's, his tail's wagging and he's looking around and then he starts doing the wobble thing and he starts bailing off through the brush and he's, and he's down. And man, it's just, it's such a great feeling when they, when they go down with insight, we all love that. You know, one of the biggest things that I think sold me on it was the way that that arrow zips through them cleanly. They don't know what happened. They don't know. So they, yep. No, they don't. They run off 40 yards, 50 yards and they stop and they're like, what was that? You know, so now this deer isn't running a country mile on me. And that's what a lot of them did with my, with my mechanicals. Some of them did not, not a lot. Some of them ran, you know, a good ways on those mechanicals. Um, because that arrow isn't passing through. If that arrow doesn't pass through and they run off, they got that arrow in them. They can feel it. They know something's not right. And it keeps pushing them and they keep going and keep going where when you can get that pass through, you know, it's, that's just the ideal scenario, right? I mean, they, they trot off and they're like, they don't know what it was and then they're down. Um, so those Evo X heads though, uh, I really like them. They're made out of S 30 V steel. So they're a very strong steel, but they're very, very resistant to rust. They're very easy to sharpen. And day six has a replacement blade set up for them as well if you choose not to sharpen them so that's why i went with them they look identical to the iron wheels i was kind of tossing it up between the iron wheels and those um the iron wheels rust uh rust a bit more from my understanding from what i've heard they're not as easy to sharpen uh so i decided to go with the day six on them instead and i've i've been super pleased with it so like i said i've only I've only shot one deer with a, with a fixed blade now here in the recent years, but I'm not going to go back. Yeah. And that, that's, that, that's like a carbon copy of like what I went through leading up to the helix. Now mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I was shooting and killing a lot of deer with it, but I wasn't getting that pass through or that deer, like, you know, like you talked like zip through and it's like, what, what just happened? Like they're running. Yeah. Like I watched a lot of deer fall, but I, I, I I had to track a lot of deer, you know what I mean, yeah, and 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 exactly. struggled with a couple of deer that I shouldn't have struggled with. So then, you know, Helix comes here. Or I I wasn't even like partnered with Helix last year. Really, I was just um, one of my good friends is the marketing manager from there, and he's like, "Hey, I want to send you up a couple, shoot them, let me know." And I had the best year of my life with them, and. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, the first year I shot in Illinois was 54 yards. I I had to dig the arrow out of the dirt behind him. He ran 52 yards and died. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And then the Ohio buck, I shot him facing me, right below the white patch. He ran 55 yards and died. Piled up. He it and it it went in right below the white patch, and everybody will see it. You know, I'm trying to get these episodes ready, and uh, you know they will be out. I. 
on my YouTube channel here shortly. I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. You and yeah. everybody else, dude, I get like every day somebody <laughs> asking. I'm like, now I can finally like kind of throw it out there. Like they'll, they'll be going on the YouTube channel here shortly. Well, I yeah. say shortly, but I'm trying to figure that like out, like when I want to push them out, but people want to see them. So that hunt really opened my eyes because like it went in literally below the white patch and it literally like three inches of the arrow was hanging out in between his legs, his back legs, you know? Um, yeah. and I didn't shoot a really heavy arrow last year. I shot a decently heavy arrow. It was like 400. I can't remember what it was, but it was either two, two, two numbers stick in my head. It was either 485 or 490. So that's where I was at. Like, it's not aggressively yeah. heavy and right, you know, but this year I'm at 590. I'm shooting a vector custom arrow. Um, four fletch with the 125 grain helix same thing like the day six like like vector has a great way to like figure all that out on their website like you put in all your information it spits you an arrow out they build it they send it to you and i'm like this is badass you know um yeah. so but the heat and then the, my my michigan deer um i just had i just hit him bad you know but it was still a pass-through at 54 yards on the ground it was a pass-through and um, the, the question, I, it is a poke. <laughs> and the question I get the most about it is, uh, how do they fly at distance and what's the blood trail like? Well, I come from a rage blood trail and I'm not saying the blood trail is bad, but it's not a mechanical blood trail, like a mechanical no, blade should, blood trail. You know what I mean? No, no, they're not. And it shouldn't be right. I mean, we're not talking we're not talking the same wound channel size here. So it only makes sense to not have that. Correct. Right. I'll give, I'll give up some blood for a second hole, almost as a guarantee. I'm on the same, I'm on the same page. And with the helix, like, dude, I haven't had any issues. I have not no. at distance. I've only shot them up to 60 this year. I'm going to be ex- exploring a little bit more with those, um, at further distances, but let's be honest, like, I, 54 yards twice in one year it, it's a lot of people don't take that shot and honestly Ooh, i was feeling yeah. really confident with my equipment last year like that's awesome you know great. and that yeah. that is that is power confidence is yeah. power you know sure. so 100 percent. i couldn't agree more man yeah. yeah and i don't know dude i have not one bad thing to say about them they're in they're sharpener so they have a sharpener i'm I'm not really one on replacement blades. I really don't. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if you're putting replacement blades in, like everything's just not the same the way that thing was built. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Uh, Not to say say it's right or wrong. I'm not a big bleeder blade guy. Like I don't, you know, noise. I think bleeder blades leave noise. Um, Vented blades leave noise. I, I just like a solid broadhead. I like, I call them Peterbilts, you know, they're going to hit you like a Peterbilt. Um, and this is the head for me. It's a single bevel and, um, I on average, so on the pass through, and I I think I've said this in the podcast, but, um, from entry to exit on those deer, I was getting anywhere from a quarter to a half inch of rotation with the single bevel from entry to exit if that makes sense. So I was measuring from where it entered to where it exited and how, how much it rotated. And I was getting anywhere from a quarter to a half inch of rotation. How Uh, are you, how are you able to get the rotation 
figured out. So it, it, I would put the arrow back through the hole. You know sure. what I mean? And yep. I was just tr- trying to do my best, like guess, like after you got them out and everything, um, go like put the arrow back through the entry and then I would place it in the exit. You know what I mean? And I would just try to eyeball the best way I could do it. The be- like eyeball where the cutting, the, the blades cut on the exit to where they cut on the entry. It, it's hard to explain. I got you. No, I know what you mean. I, I, yeah. No, you know I, what I mean? And okay. it kind of took like, I actually used a flashlight too, like putting it through the hole. Like, like mm-hmm. to, to kind of get like, it didn't work the greatest, but I was trying different things. Um, but you can kind of see, especially when you skin it, you can really see like where the entry's at and where the X is at and exit it was at, but I was getting some more rotation in fixed blades or not fixed blades, but mechanicals, you're not getting rotation. I mean, when you hit, like you said, it, it just kills it. it yeah. It's just, you're just pushing, you're pushing cartilage basically. Yep. Yep. So and let's face it too. I think a lot of the mechanicals. I mean, I've ran my fingernail. I've ran my finger right over brand new blades, and I, I they don't even they don't cut me. Yep. They they won't shave my fingernail. They're not sharp. I mean, they're they're just not. So so, so Helix has a sharpener, and what I what I was getting at there is, I like their sharpener because it locks the the way they designed it. It locks the broadhead in a position uh so it won't move and then it's got like a bar that goes above it that's a fixed bar that you run the sharpener on so it's the perfect um degree of cut or degree of sharpening so you know you're getting like that consistent uh sharpen like it's it's not like you're putting them on your leg with a file you know what I mean? And, and just yeah, you're, you're hoping to not round it over. Sure, right, different bevel. Right, yeah. like this is like the perfect degree. So they went like the extra step, in my opinion, to like get that perfect. So any Tom, Dick, or Harry at home can shape or like sharpen them. That doesn't. I don't have a lot of uh, experience in sharpening broadheads or even knives. You know, yeah. you, like you run a steel on them, and it's like, well, I think it's sharp. You know. This mm-hmm. is like it's kind of foolproof, to be honest with you, and uh, they've they've it's knocked kind of, it out of the park. Yeah, is it kind of like a tower jig? Yes. Yep. It yeah. is. So uh, there's a couple companies. I think KME makes one, uh, and then oh man, I can't remember. That there was another sharpener on on Amazon that I found that has some un- unreal reviews. Like everybody loves it. Um, God, what is it? I can't remember. But yes, it's a tower jig. And so then you run that sharpening rod, whichever grit you're on, you run through that rod and then you just, it gives you that same 15 or 20 degree or 22 degree cut every time. It's almost, yep. yeah, it's like foolproof. It's foolproof. So, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. I got to, I have to grab one for these day sixes. Yeah. Or you could just go and just get Helix broadheads if you want. Sure. <laughs> I can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a friend of mine that shoots them, and he loves them, and I, I've, I've ran my finger on them, and they are definitely a nasty head. Those Helix are sweet. Oh, you do have a friend that sh- that shoots them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, they work. And, and it's, it's not like it's the only broadhead that works out there, let's be honest. I mean, there's a ton of broadheads out there. It's a saturated market. A lot of broadheads oh, yeah. work. It's And it comes back to that confidence. You know, Ryan, the, the episode you were talking about, Ryan Glitzky and I talked about confidence. 
He's a yeah. confident human. He makes me want to be more confident. Like, yeah, right. He goes in the woods with a chip on his shoulder. And if you didn't know him, I feel like you'd almost be like, oh, this guy's an asshole. No, this guy just knows what he's doing and he knows what works. And like, it yeah. just comes across as that. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's the confidence, like I said, is power. So, yep. any way you can get to confidence with anything in, in life is, is, is good. So, yeah. A lot of people get that those two mixed up being being cocky or being confident. I mean, they're they're pretty close. They're kind of hand in hand, but Yeah, yep. Man, you know. Got to be one, I guess. For sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, get, we're 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 getting lengthy here, but I do want to ask you one more question. What uh yep. what do you have in store for 2022 season? Are we are we staying with Wisconsin? Are we going to be branching out for the yeah. first time? Like what are you thinking? I'm not going to be able to branch out. I mean, unless it was some over the counter, no points required setup, which I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where that would be. Um, so it'll be Wisconsin. I'm thinking I may try to get my daughter here on one this year. If I can maybe borrow a crossbow or something, I'd like to get her out for a couple early season sits and maybe get her on a deer over there. That's um, cool, man. She's been talking about it a lot. You know, when are we going to the camper again? When are we going? <laughs> when, when can I shoot my first deer? We uh, we went shed hunting uh, here a couple weeks ago, and she found a nice little eight-pointer deadhead. So that kind of that jacked her up, you know. And um, then you could see the wheels spinning and the fire kind of light up, you know. And when can I shoot my first deer? And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's going to be sooner than you think. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to get over there and build a ground blind with her. My old man, when he got me started, you know, he was dragging me along. We'd build our own ground blinds. Yep. You know, we didn't buy any of them. We were building them, and I'm going to do that with her and get her maybe down in that bottom for a morning sit or a, maybe an evening sit, whatever, and see if something comes through there and get her get her a clean shot with a crossbow maybe and see what she thinks. So, Very cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, before we do end here. Uh, Shout out your YouTube channel and your Instagram and, and Facebook, all that stuff again. So if people want to follow what you're doing, they can uh, look at all your stuff. Sure. Uh, so my Instagram and YouTube handles are waiting for November. It's spelled W, the number eight, N, the number four, and N O V. Uh, so you can find me there and in, on Instagram and YouTube, and then. Uh, Facebook is just Miles Dykeman. Awesome, so, man. That's well, the personal account there, but yeah. That's cool, dude. I appreciate you again uh, coming on doing this. I'm glad we found some time to, to link yeah. up, even though it's kind of yeah. getting late at night right now. But, dude, uh, greatly appreciate it for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. Thank you for having me, man, anytime, and hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, definitely. To- for sure. Well, good luck next fall, and uh, like I said, greatly appreciate it. And, um Hopefully you uh, get those Helix this year and, and kill a deer with it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. All right. There you have it. Another great episode. Thank you, Miles, for coming on and doing this. Greatly appreciate it, man. Um, what an episode. What uh, It's just a cool BS session. Miles is doing some awesome things in Wisconsin and, and uh, filming with your phone. Pretty crazy, huh? It's, it's a crazy world we live in, but really cool. Thank you guys again for all the support and all the downloads. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. Don't forget, we will have an all-new episode here this Friday in a couple days. Um, 
yeah, hopefully you guys are liking that. So we'll have a new one here coming here in a couple days. Thanks, guys. Thanks for all the support, and we'll see you on Friday.